It's almost game time, and you're going inside the lockers with JC and D Hawk on 91.5 KUNV, broadcasting live from the campus of UNLV. And good morning, Vegas. Good morning, USA. Wherever you happen to be listening to us right now, we are inside the lockers, and we come at you live every Sunday, 7 to 8 a.m., right here on Public Radio KUNV. That's 91.5 on the dial. And if you are outside of the Vegas area, uh, hopefully you've downloaded the KUNV app and you're checking into us. Uh, if you want to call, whether you're local or out of town, we'd love to hear from you about topics we're talking about, or even if you have your own topic you want to discuss, the number where we can be reached this morning is 702-895-5868, and we're here live on the campus of the beautiful UNLV in Las Vegas, and uh, I'm JC, D-Hawk, you out there on the uh, East Coast holding it down, how you doing? Good morning, JC, good morning, everybody, out here holding it down. And, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of lot to get to today, but I think we'll start off with uh, the World Series matchup is all set up. And once again, the Houston Astros are returning uh, three times in five years now. Mm. But surprisingly, um, world champions from last year and a lot of favorite to go back this year, although they did not even win their division, but they did get past Frisco. But the Dodgers... I think are a little bit of a surprise that they won't be getting there. And the Braves uh, coming out of the NL East, who, you know, were kind of uneven for a good part of the year before figuring it out late. And that's what it takes in sports, Hawk. I think, you know, uh, Uncle Mo, you know, once you get Uncle Mo on your side, momentum, momentum. and you ride that, you just get hot at the right time and you're, you're world beaters. And, you know, the Braves were a little banged up, obviously no Kershaw, but at the end of the day, you know, looked looked very strong against Frisco. They They, they looked well. Uh, for the most part, uh, throughout the season, that lineup starting to come around. Even the games they won against the Braves, uh, putting up seven, eight, nine runs. But you know, Walker Bueller, the 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 young phenom, a couple other guys that I think they expected uh, bigger outings from, did not deliver. And to the Braves' credit, they got it. So Braves, Astros. Uh, any thoughts on who you like and uh, uh, to take uh, to take the crown? I think that. Uh um, the the Astros are probably the favorite to win, but I think I'm gonna go with the Braves to to keep riding uh, Uncle Mo, and um, I think it'll be a good story. Their first time getting getting there since what 1999. Yeah, been a, been, and, been a minute, that's for sure. And they definitely beat a good team in the in the Dodgers, and that might have gave them the right confidence at the right time. Because like you said, it's it's all about the timing. It's not. You could start out in the beginning undefeated, 30-0, and 40-0, but it's all about how you finish. And, and I want to give a shout-out to uh, uh, someone who's just been a baseball lifer, and whether as a player or, or as a manager, has just done incredible things. And that's the manager of the Astros, Dusty Baker. I mean, you know, in, in his 70s and uh, crushing it, looks, looks young, spry, and uh, pushing all the right buttons. And, and I got to say, you know, in baseball, you know, a manager has value. I think. I think in some sports, it's getting to the point where you just—it's the talent, right? You just run the talent right. out there, and you know, uh, hopefully, you don't mess it up. But you know, it, it all's going to take care of themselves. I mean, even the Lakers, you know, it's, I don't know who's getting on Frank Vogel. They're all—they're all waiting for LeBron and the players to figure it out. But in baseball, when there's a man on second, you know, uh, less than two out, are you bunting the guy over? Who do you bring in? In the reliever, do you let your starter go too long? There are multiple decisions right. throughout a season and certainly throughout a playoff series that is right square on the manager's shoulders. And and when a person like Dusty Baker continues to just show up, wherever he shows up, the team wins, you, you got to start giving that man some love. <laughs> right? Obviously, this man is... Uh, you know, knows what he's doing and, and earning his salary. And I just want to acknowledge it because, you know, no one no one talks enough about, um, you know, the, the great job that he's done for his career. This isn't just new, but certainly, uh, you know, doing it now. Um, I, I, I think I think I'm with you. I, there's something about the Braves, the way they're constructed. You know, the pitching is good. The bullpen is sound. I don't, you know, it's one of those teams where I don't think anybody just jumps out at you like the Patriots of old. Yeah. But it seems like um, there's enough good batters coming up regularly throughout the innings 
that they'll scratch out a run. They'll scratch out a run. You know, the, the things about the Astros you got to stay away from is the beginning. That's the Astros. Yeah, they can hop out on you. Yeah, just, you know, for, you, know you, you think you're good. Like, like what was it, uh, a few days ago where they scored nine runs in the ninth inning. Like, wait a second. Right. It was 2-2 two, two in the eighth. What was the final? 11-2? Huh? What happened? What, what happened? You hit a record scratch. What happened? But that's, but that's the Astros. The Astros can do that to you. So, you know, that's the thing you're always cognizant of when you're playing that team. Or certainly as a gambler, when you're down four runs, you might feel like you still got a shot. Still got a shot at it. But but the Braves just scratch, scratch, scratch. They get the big outs um, and they get the two out hits. And you know, at the end of the day, that's the thing. That's what baseball's about. Can you get the third out? And can you get the two out hit? And if you can do those two things, you're probably going to be all right. And I think I think that's what they've done this year. Certainly, it's what they've done lately. And I, I'm with you. I think it carries them through. Um, should be a fun one. Uh, anyway, uh, we haven't really spoken about baseball that much on this show. That's another thing, too, about baseball this year. There's been a lot of different, you know, Hawk, like this, there was the no-hitters. But, you know, it just seemed like, I don't know, it just seemed like there was other noise in other sports that seemed to just drown out baseball yeah, this year. Am I, cr- am I crazy saying that? No, it's been louder around in the world of sports. Y- yeah. Period, from, and we also had the Olympics this year. And, um, right. And, and it's been a lot. I mean, it's not like I haven't been following the baseball. Well, usually, here's my baseball season for those of you at home. I uh, watch it religiously for about 70 games. Right at game 72, the Mets take their nosedive. And as soon as they go six, seven, eight games out, I, I turn off the dial. <laughs> that is. That is the majority of my baseball watching career, but uh, and this year was no different. They were in first place at the All Star break. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly fired their manager, and uh, you know who knows whatever that'll do. But um, but speaking about getting fired, you know we um, we never really addressed last week, and uh, you know John Gruden, you know was fired, um, and uh, you know untenable, you know uh, to keep his position after all that stuff came out. Now he's saying the truth will come out. I don't know what that means. I mean, the emails are the emails you wrote them. Um, but I was very impressed. Here's what I want to talk about. I was very impressed that the Raiders went on the road and yeah. won. And when you're, uh, you know, I've never really had the level of dominance as a player in college, but I was a part of that kind of a locker room. When I was at Hofstra, a guy who was, um, you know, destined to be, like, in the Hall of Fame, and eventually he got into, like, the, the West Florida Hall of Fame, but he had, like, one of the top winning percentages in college basketball, uh, Richard Berg. Mm-hmm. And what happened was is um, you all of a sudden, you know, you expected to win in New York. We weren't winning, and you could just feel the pressure. Like, he was getting fired, like, and everybody knew it. You know what I mean? And, again, different than this Gruden situation, but the point I'm making is when – it really is, you know, turmoil in the locker room. And you played for John Chaney, who was probably as steady ship as it goes, uh, and didn't have to worry about that kind of stuff. But, but you played on a lot of different teams. Hawk, what is it like when the outside noise on the organization is a negative and you can just feel it's fractured and it's only the men in the locker room that have to, or the women, have to come together and to go play into those circumstances, and then to go win like the Raiders do. What, what do you what do you think about that? And what are your what are your experiences uh, in the past? Yeah, I mean, um, I haven't been in that situation other than being overseas, and it is a little different there because not only can the coach or somebody get fired, a player can get sent home fast. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I've been in those t- those situations though because we only play once a week and two games. Maybe three games lost in, in, in three weeks, so that's three games out of a month. The fans, the city that you're representing, it's the, the newspaper. You know, they let you know, and they let you know in the paper, this might be so-and-so's last game where he has to do it. So we try to come together and just – it's nothing that we can control other than going out and trying to win. But it is a little tough, and you do have to come together as a team and, like, you block out that outside noise and try to try to let each other know that we 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 are all we have because when the going gets tough, we see how how it gets on the outside. So, and, like as you said, I was impressed with that Raiders win. Yeah, and isn't it funny? Like at the end of the day, no matter what sport you're in, when there's more than you know one person involved, it's like tennis or boxing. 
teams win games and you know whatever binds you right like sometimes yeah. even something negative or even god forbid something tragic can bind the team in a way that the coach couldn't is that crazy right and that the no, coach couldn't it's true and even the players themselves couldn't on their own and then all of a sudden it's like that you know us against them mentality and before you know it all the things that were hurting you Everyone's just like looking out for each other. Everyone's just playing right. better, it, and 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 it, the product is better. But you know, it was, it was a good win for them. Obviously, um, I do want to I do want to say one thing. I, I have to say it. I'm sorry. So I just want to say when that was going on, a player who barely played walked into Richard Berg's office and said, "Listen, I hear what's going on. I think it's terrible. Guys aren't playing hard." I don't play that much, but if you start me tonight, I guarantee you'll have a victory. And the so, guy and the guy goes, "You realize we're playing Delaware, like the number one team in the conference." Like I said, I don't care who we're playing. If we play well, we'll win. There's talent on this team. And he's like, "Well, I appreciate your sentiments, but uh, you know, we're 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 uh, we're good." And that player left, and then that player showed up to the game. And his name was on the chalkboard. And they went out and played, and they did win. They won in overtime. They beat Delaware. Congrats, they, JC. And, and that's who it was. It was Sounds me. Like, <laughs> it was me. <laughs> you all the way. <laughs> I walked into the coach's office with the New York media, you know, wanting blood from this guy. I said, listen, man, if you start me tonight, I guarantee you will win. That is a true story, by the way. I almost feel like calling Richard Berg in his house in Florida right now to validate him. <laughs> But anyway, that's 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 the point. The point is is that when you have something that can bind you together, there is no stopping a team that's committed. And the reason why I bring that up, Hawk, is because and this is something that I think people are overplaying, and I'm sure you've had this too. So let's jump right to the Lakers. So the Lakers are not playing well. It's only two games in. And what everybody wants to make a big deal out of, which you know and I think I can speak, again, I never played at your level, but I certainly have had it happen, Two guys jawing at each other, you know, whether it's in the dugout and baseball or on the court, that is nothing. And the media and the fans want to make it like it's something. I mean, do you make anything out of the uh, the AD Dwight Howard thing, or is that just like that's just basketball? You're getting blown out. You're down by thirty at home. I, you know, talk to me on this because I I don't know what the hell people are like freaking out about. It's an eighty-two game season. The Lakers are zero and two, and everyone's looking to like uh, you know push the panic button. Yeah, well, you know the Lakers. First of all, LeBron is one of the most scrutinized players ever to play the game. And humans, not even yeah. player. Anything he does, yeah, humans. Yeah, you know? so it's nothing. He can't make anybody happy. So the fact that they're on two, I don't, I'm not worried about that. I just I know that they have to have some changes as far as like the approach to the game and the the X's and O's of the game because. There's a lot of talent there. They are a little older. I don't think that really matters because that means they have the experience. But well, not, not yet. I, I agree yeah. with you. The age, if the age is going to be a problem, it's going to be a problem at game 60, hitting the Later wall. Right? On, yeah, exactly. like hitting the wall. Right, right, right. But, um, I mean, Vogel has to get them get that right rotation and get the right players on the court at the same time. I'm not panicking over that. But as far as the AD and um, the White Howard blow-up, that happens, but I believe it became physical, like when they start to shoving and grabbing each other mm -hmm. right that, in front of the in front of everybody. It was yeah, national, that, national televised game. And not to mention they're both seven foot tall. Right. So it's like, <laughs> who's these giants about to go at it? Like, are we in the Roman uh, Coliseum right now? Instead of malice at the palace, it's static at the Staples. Right? Stat <laughs> static at the Staples. So, and on top of it, being the Lakers. That's why it's been blown up. Owing to, oh, it's so bad that they're about to knock each other uh, heads off. So, yeah, but, um, and, and I and I think you make an valid, uh, a very valid point, and I expect nothing less from someone who's played the game as long as you have at such a high level. At the end of the day, every team's makeup is different. These guys have not been together. You need a minute. Russell Westbrook is, you know, he's an anomaly. He's just not like a Chris Paul coming up running it this guy is go 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 that's his right. game that's why you get him and and there's nothing wrong with that but you have to adjust to that style because lebron is not go 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 lebron is kind of like you know he's point forward 
So, you know, all of this talent just has to find a way to mesh. Of course, Melo's got to come off the bench, and then it looks like they want him to finish. So he's coming off the bench, but then it looks like he's one of the top five, you know, when they're coming down a stretch. I think the good thing about LeBron is he's so, uh, his depth of knowledge, he's not just a talent. His, his cerebral game is as solid as his physical game. He can adjust. Now, unfortunately, you know, he's closer to 39 than 29. So, you know, maybe, you know, turning on the turbo jets and saying, hey, if I could just match, you know, up and down with Westbrook and we get AD doing his thing, we'll be unstoppable. I don't know that he's got that much gas in the tank. I think he's got plenty left. Don't get me wrong. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, he's, I know exactly what you're saying. So, yeah. So, so once they find that rhythm, if, if I could use that word, I think once they find that rhythm of like, how they're going to play, and even rotationally, right? If you remember back in the day, Patino, he would have his starting five, then he'd bring out those, like, five crazies that would just run all over the place, and they were, you know, when the Knicks were, like, kind of good, you know? I mean, no one expected much out of them. They won, like, 45 games that year, and they were like, oh, this college thing can't hold up. And they're right, it couldn't, but for the talent that they had, that's the way he had to coach them. So Mm -hmm. you can have two, in my opinion, Hawk, you, on one team, you could have two units doing two different things. Yeah, you could right. You could have a team that comes in plots, and you know LeBron spaces a little bit. You get AD in the low block, and or whatever, and you're killing it that way. And then you, when you put in the next five, you know they just step on the gas pedal and run you down. So I mean, they'll figure it out. I'm with you. Um, I think it's going to start with the defense, though. They have to find their defense identity. Um, because right now you got these younger kids, they're just running them out off, up and down the court. Yeah, you have to be able to punish them um, on the offense, but it's going to start with your defense, slowing them down, um, disrupting their playbook or, or their system, and um, they got to take more pride in that if they want to have a chance to live up to their hype. Well, I agree with you there. Defense wins championships. I did happen to see the game against Phoenix. And, you know, it just looked like a lot of open space. And, right. you know, when you have that much length on the court, that's your point. There's no effort. There's no pride. There's no commitment. Because when you're that athletic and that length on the court and there's so much open space, you're just not moving. I mean, you got to move your feet. I mean, and, and that's uh, it's commitment. you got to buy in. So I'm with you there. I think they're going to be okay. Um, we're coming up a quarter in. Let's do our little uh, identification here. You're listening to Inside the Lockers. Uh, JC and D Hawk speaking to you live on a Sunday morning, 7 to 8 a.m. here on the Pacific Coast, 10 to 11 on the East Coast, where Hawk is holding it down. Uh, KUNV 91.5 on the dial. Hopefully, uh, you've downloaded the app if you're out of town, you're listening to us. But we really would like to hear from you. We're talking about a lot of great topics, and if, again, if there's over something on your mind, 702 895 5868. Don't be afraid to dial. As much as we chatted up, we'd love to hear from you. Um, uh, just keeping in basketball for one second. Um, of course, the Knicks 2-0. and uh, Happy to see that. But what about Chicago, a team that did not make the playoffs last year, made a lot of moves in the offseason. Uh, Zach Levine stayed. A couple of key pieces stayed. Markinen no longer there. Billy Donovan, I think, is a basketball man. I know Coach Donovan. Um, you, know, you know, again, back from the East Coast days in New York. 3-0. and uh, nice, Again, you know, 3-0 does not make a playoff team, but off to a nice start. Have you seen any of their games? I haven't seen any of their games um, in full. I caught a few few moments of it, and um, I like their pickups when they did. I like their off-season moves. Um, I like the Rosen. I think they're 1-2-3. You know, you have Ball, um, Levine, and DeRozan. They're, they could match up with, you know, any top three perimeters out there and um i think they're all hungry too and how about and how about lonzo ball talk about a guy shutting out the noise i mean you know he had all the hype coming in people felt he was going to be a bust after they saw year one Mm kind of got his legs under him uh with the pelicans and uh, he's uh, i gotta say he is unorthodox but he is definitely a talent he knows the game he sees the court well it looks like he plays hard I think he's going to – I mean, he's only a couple of years in. I think he's going to be a solid pro. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think Ball, um, Lonzo Ball will be um, a tw- uh, maybe close to 20-year player just because he is smart. He has some height and uh, playing that point guard position, he runs the team. And he does – They he doesn't get the credit for being a, um, a type of defender that he is. He, he presses the ball and he makes it hard on the other team. And he's he's a winner. He wants to win, and he wants to 
play for his team. Yeah. And that's like you you would think that it doesn't that it would be more often that that happens, but it doesn't. To have a player like that who's bought into the team and not his own hype, because he could have easily been bought into his own hype with you know how it was with his father and everybody when he first got drafted. But I think Lonzo getting that start, that new new home in Chicago, and I think he they great, make some noise there. They make a, some noise. It's a there. great it's a great point because first of all, this kid will get you six rebounds a game. You can't underestimate. You know, to get five to seven rebounds a night from your guards, uh, you know, yeah. and, and the thing is, is to your point, uh, he didn't buy into the hype and be like, you know, get off my jock, whatever it is. He just stayed humble, stayed hungry, and I, I like his game. He, to your point, he he moves the ball. He's, uh, you know, his, his shot is probably never going to be great, only because that form is. But again, Jamal Wilkes didn't have the most uh, traditional shot. But he certainly has a lot more confidence in it, and he knows that he can make it. And also, he's not jacking up thirty shots a game. So why does his shot have to be all that? He's just right. He's just got to be able to, you know, score in transition. And when the ball comes to him and he has his feet set and is open, be able to knock it down. And he's been able to do that more commonly than uh, than early in his career when there was all that hype that he was going to come out and you know score forty five points and have a triple double every night. So really, really like it. Um, what I'm seeing out of there. Um, the uh, the um, the hockey season, of course, has begun, and uh, you know here in Vegas there's uh, going to be expectations. Even though there's no more Mark Andre Fleury, uh, you know the Vegas Knights have been a team that has been flirting with uh, you know being a perennial Cup power. Um, but one of the things I thought was really cool um, was the Seattle Kraken. So this new expansion team in the NHL has begun, and um, you know, it looks like they they uh, they have an enthusiastic fan base. Uh, I heard tickets uh, for their home opener last night was uh, six hundred and fifteen dollars average price just to go for a ticket. So how much is that again? Six fifteen. So a lot of people were, uh, I guess, um, viewing it as a collector's item. I don't know. I went to the first ever <laughs> yeah. first ever game. I noticed people still have that secretariat ticket, haven't cast it. You know, to you know, pay two ten. But um, but my Rangers are looking good. You know, after you know getting off on a bad start, they they're playing well. Uh, of course, Tampa Bay probably still the team to beat. Um, but uh, let me ask you this, Hawk, because this is I'm not trying to be funny, you know. But there has been a greater culture regarding a more inclusive NHL. How's that for politically correct? Boy, am I good? I'm oh, good. Man, man I'm dancing. Perfectly. Thank God we're on the air because we weren't on the air. You know what? I'll be talking to you. You know, you and I just chop it up like, you know, all that other stuff goes out the window. But we are on the air and people are listening. So, but here's, here's the point I want to make. So, um, I had written a script, and I think you know about this, right? I wrote a script about uh, three um, uh, uh, black youths who are uh, skate guards and aspire to play hockey, and they encounter hurdles and racism, but their love and commitment of the sport, and, you know, you know, I love a little bit of a Hollywood ending. They play well, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it was announced last week, just last week, did you see this, that um, um, LeBron James is producing a documentary called Black Ice. Mm. <laughs> and it happens to be, yeah, so it happens to be a documentary about the comeuppance uh, in the recent NHL, as well as, you know, of course, you know, all the things that were uh, encountered in the past NHL of the, um, the, 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 the black hockey player. And for those of you who are not paying attention, you know, last year they were ranking, as they do in every sport, the top 15 players or whatever it may be. And I think eight out of the 15 top players were uh, black or brown. The reason why I say black or brown is because um, I don't even know if that's the right language. Am I saying this right? For all I know, I'm going to be like, you know, 10 people away from us. I don't know what to say. Sometimes I get off the end, you're like, you know, JC can't talk about Where we're living at right now, it's, you can't really say anything but your name without getting in trouble. Jeez. So we're good, right? We're, we're good. You, yeah. All, all finish, finish. Just finish. All I want to say is Tavares, the Spanish kid who was with the Islanders now, is a great player. Mm. So let's let's just say this. The non-traditional, non-traditional white guy, you know what I mean? You know, uh, which, again, that's how hockey was always perceived. It was always perceived as basically, because even in comedy, right, in the script that I wrote, even in comedy, like Cedric the Entertainer, during his, um, 
you know, uh, which again, one of the great specials of all time, the Kings of Comedy. He's saying, I don't know if they'll ever let really, I don't know about hockey, you know, when he's talking about all the, maybe all this, not, hockey. Maybe not yeah. hockey, right? <laughs> and then, of course, you know, Stephen A. Smith is, has had, had gone on record. And, you know, it's really cool because one of the great advocates of hockey for going on almost a decade now, and who's always out there, he's at the games, he's talking, was Charles Barkley. You know, mm. Charles Barkley's like, listen, you know, if you're not watching hockey, you're sleeping on hockey. Like, hockey's like a great, and it is a great sport. I've played it. Um, I played it at college. I played it one year before the, the basketball coach said, get rid of your skates or you can get rid of your, you know, us taking care of your school here. Um, obviously, because an injury would, would hurt my uh, my basketball situation. So my point is, is that, number one, do you follow hockey? And have you been following in your own kind of, you know, with your friends and with, you know, your your your, your life as you're going, are you noticing more chatter about, you know, the inclusion and the expansion of inclusion, again, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, of people in the sport of hockey, both as fans as well as the, the men who are on the ice and looking more like a melting pot rather than just, you know, right. uh, 20 white dudes skating out of a locker, uh, out of a locker room. Yeah, um... I'm not. A, I haven't. Oh, I haven't been a big fan of hockey. I can't lie about that. But I'm a fan of sports, mm-hmm. and um, I have paid attention. And some credit to you, like I know about your, you know, your script and offsides. We'll see that in the future. I hope for the so. People out there. I hope so. But that was a great story, and um, and I've seen that you know, the inclusion, like, as you said, to of the more more players of color being um, involved in this this non traditional. It's not it's not traditional as you said this this sport for for the people of color but right. I saw like a a headline because it's Drake and LeBron you know you know producing this documentary right so I've been following and saying that and I think I've also seen uh, Ovi um, being over here in D.C. Mm-hmm. Ovechkin is opening up a a facility back where it used to I remember it only being a basketball court and a football field right. He's put he put an ice rink there for for hockey players, and I know, and they you know start signing people up, and I know it's been, it's not really a lot of white kids around this area, so it's only been the people of color going over there and learning, and I think it's more so about, first of all, being comfortable with it and being introduced to it, and when you're a kid, it doesn't even matter, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you don't know which which you like to play. Oh, I like to skate. Oh, hockey. That sometimes that's all it takes to get. To get to to start changing it, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Sure. So, I, I mean, I'm I'm happy for that. I'm me, happy for that. Yeah, me too. I mean, listen, at at the end of the day, I think hockey and tennis and uh, golf. I think the criticism, if there was a legitimate one, I don't know that anything's ever legitimate when it comes to racism. I just think it's wrong. Period. At all levels. Right. But I think there could be an argument made that those sports had a lesser degree of push because economically people were saying that those are expensive sports to play. Right, and that, yep. and it's not to say that a person um, of color didn't have money. What was happening back then is people did not get opportunities and jobs. And a, and a lot yeah. of times, you know, the positions of wealth were, I hate to say it, but they were stereotypically athletes and entertainers. Because that's just a God-given talent that broke through the barriers. And then other individuals who, you know, two people walking for a job. And there's uh, an accountant, you know, who graduated from, uh, you know, HBCU with all the credentials in the world. And it went to the white dude or white gal for that reason. And no other reason. You know what I mean? And, and I think as there's been more inclusion, more acceptance, more spread. And, of course, you have those athletes that broke down the barriers. You I mean, uh, of course, Calvin Pete. People don't remember him. I remember him. Um, was a great fan of Calvin, Calvin Pete, but of course the person everybody knows is Tiger Woods. Of course the Williams sisters. Of course we know Arthur Ashe. So as you see those war, uh, warriors, you know, break down, and then people who are seven, eight, nine years old can look at a TV screen and say, "I see myself in them." You know, there's the expansion. But uh, coming up on our half-hour break, Hawk, we're going to uh, take this break inside the lockers. JC and D Hawk, seven eight a.m. ninety one point five. On the other side, stay tuned. You got views from the Hawk Nest. And we're back, KUNV 91.5, and at this time, 
We're always uh, excited to hear the thoughts of our man D Hawk. Views from the Hawk Nest. Hawk, what do you got for us this weekend? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. To all our listeners out there, thanks for tuning in to another episode, installment of Views from the Hawk's Nest. I want to take you into the world of sports gambling, but not to the side from the fans or the the people looking there. I saw a documentary um, called Bad Sports, and they, they featured a scandal back in 93. Uh, I think the team was... Uh, I forget the team that escapes me, but the main the protagonist was Stephen Headache Smith. And the story goes, he, you know, was down on his luck. He was actually an NBA prospect. College player needed some money, and somebody approached him about betting on his team. In that situation, he had to manipulate the game to certain scores, and you know how it is, the money line, the, the spreads, and everything, blah, blah, blah. We know that that's not right. Um, it affects the integrity of the game, and in no way, shape, or form, or fashion should a player ever bet against themselves or for their team to not be successful. But, for instance, how a boxer, other than the Olympics, I believe, and we all know this is not a team sport, it's, you know, mano a mano, can bet on himself to win, can bet on himself to knock his opponent out, can bet on himself to be the victor. Because I think when you approach every game and competition, you should be going to win. Um, that's what we play for, and that's what... We should focus our efforts on. But follow me here. I don't want to. And no, I've never. This is just a thought. So try to bear with me. Why? I'm wondering why, as a team sport or being a player in the NBA, um, not being able to bet or make a wager that your team will just win. We're talking about money line, straight out. We're playing the Lakers. We're playing the Cavs. I want to win. I'm going into the game to try to win anyway. It won't affect anything that I do because I want to, you know, the, the goal is to win. I'm not worrying about the score, the spread, anything. Or I'm a fan of the game. I've watched this game growing up all my life. I'm. It's an off night for me. Who, the Knicks, the Knicks Celtics? Oh, that's a rivalry. I like the Knicks to win. But being, um, as per rule, being in the NBA, you can't make a wager on the team or another team in your league. And um, I just was wondering what, because to be honest, what stops them from doing it anyway? What stops you from calling your brother? Hey, here, man, take this two thousand dollars, go put it on the, uh, put it on the Nets to, to, to beat the Bucks tonight. But um, I was just wondering. And I'm sure there there's an answer for this, but I just really had a thought because personally I don't see um, it being wrong to be able to bet on your team or yourself to win. Now we're not talking about like again spread or over under. My team against your team. I like my team. Uh, we're going to win. Why can't I make some money off of it? What's your thoughts, JC? I gotta say, this is a, this is a hornet's nest right here, bro. This is a, <laughs> this is a great topic. This is a great topic. I'm gonna give you a phrase which basically covers all of it, but it's mm -hmm. got so many layers. But let me just start off with this. So the phrase is perception is reality, reality. Yep. and that is the biggest problem. But I'll tell you what. To your point, when two teams are matched up. Don't the mayors of each city bet against each other? You know, who's right? The the owners sometimes have a gentleman bet. Everybody but the players. So it seems unfair. And I want to say something because we do live in Las Vegas. We're talking about known public gambling. Because I'm telling you right now, yeah. what you just said, take this two thousand dollars oh, that's going on. That's, I, I'm, not pointing fingers at, I'm not pointing <laughs> fingers at who it's going on with and who I may know have done that. And people I may know who are on the other side of that phone taking that call. That's right. a conversation for another day. But 
Um, or maybe that's a conversation we're never going to have. But the point, <laughs> but the, point, the, point, the point is, is that when you're a player of note, and even though, to your point, you're betting on yourself, the perception in the public is, what does he know? Or, or, or if you're on an off day... And you bet. Like, in other words, is he really betting because he likes the Lakers? Or does his friend play for the Celtics and he knows he's nursing a knee injury and he's not going to 100%? There's all those kinds of factors. Then the other thing also is, is even though a person is playing to win, if you're a LeBron James and forget about the spread, you're just betting to win, you know, could you possibly... In the public size, and remember, we're talking about perception, mm-hmm. where the last three possessions are like, I'm not passing this ball. I got you know hundred thousand uh, dollars on this game. I'm, and I, I'm and I actually thought about that. I'm part. driving down the lane, and I'm, I'm the who's going to stop me? But meanwhile, what you've really done is you've changed how the game may have played. But again, that's perception because maybe LeBron James, because he wants to win so bad, would be he taking it down. Anyway. Would be do right. Would be doing it anyway. But when the public knows you got a hundred grand on the game, if you're the commissioner of that league, it's like, hey. You know, do you think LeBron James would have taken the last? Do you think Stephen Curry would have taken the last seven shots if he, we didn't know he had a hundred? Because again, all of it comes out, right? The whole thing that we're talking about here is that you can publicly do it as opposed to because one of the more famous athlete gamblers in our society who wins big bets and and, and you know boasts about it, and puts it out there on Front Street, is right here in town, Floyd Mayweather. Floyd. Floyd. Yeah, I mean Floyd Mayweather. I mean this guy's betting seven figures. This isn't like ten thousand or two thousand down the street. He's like, here, take this suitcase down the road, and you know, right. and see what you can do. And then he puts, and then he publishes the ticket. Um, of course, we had the Phil Mickelson scandal. Um, you know that it that had occurred where uh, you know he was betting uh, large amounts of money on sports betting, uh, and got caught up uh, because he was putting it into some guys uh, in Detroit. So, which was public uh, only only a few months back. So, at the end of the day, I think that's the biggest problem. It's not that a person can or can't do it, and internally, their integrity is affected because I think you know they want to play to win. Like when when um, Pete Rose was betting on games, and admittedly so, still think he should be in the Hall of Fame. By the way, for those of you keeping score at home, but. But, um, you know, he, he admitted uh, doing it. But he was betting on the teams to win, right? People are saying, okay, he is betting on a guy to win. Here's a guy who just pitched yesterday. He really should get a day's rest today. It's 5-4. There's two men on. And now he's going to bring this closer out because he's got 20000 on the game. And this guy's arm could go because he really should need the day off today. But he's going to run him into the ground to get this win because he's got money on the game. But at what expense to the player's health? In other words, there's so many different questions that come into play um, because people judge that your decisions are now being judged by the fact that you have money on the game. Right. And all I can say is this. There's some truth to that. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna tell you why. And I'm gonna tell you why. As a person who has gambled on games, I wouldn't consider myself quote unquote a gambler. I'm not at the racetrack. I am not, you know, betting on everything that moves. But you know, is there a few bucks on a football game? Is there a few bucks on a baseball game? Absolutely. But as a sports nut, I will tell you that I've watched way more games without money on them than with money on them. So here's what I want to say. I'm watching the, you know, um, Michigan game again. Who they play yesterday? Northwestern, right? Mm-hmm. I'm watching Michigan Northwestern. They're blowing them out. They're covering. I could care less, other than I'm rooting for Harbaugh. I'm a Michigan guy, so there's a level of interest, right? Okay, I'm watching the Miami North Carolina State game. Two teams I could care less about. I happen to have NC State. I'm throwing rocks at the TV screen when they call the touchdown back. So my point is, is even as a fan, just having a lousy 25, 50 bucks on the game, and then just for you playing at home, it was not more than that. I'm telling you, it was just, you know, nothing that's earth-shattering was going to change my life. Just, you know, it's late at night. I wasn't going out. I literally could care less about the game. It was on TV. Let me make it more interesting, that, that whole phrase, right? Right. So... And again, I'm doing it in Vegas, folks. I'm doing it legally, so please keep your letters to yourself. I'm, I'm, this, this is all legal, legal, legal gambling. 
But the point of all of it is that my entire energy, my narrative, my mindset, my approach, everything changed for a lousy few dollars. And what do they say about a golfer? Yeah, how come a golfer can make a 10-foot putt a thousand times in a row at his home course? And then when he's got a putt for the U.S. Open Championship, he misses by three. Because that's, the, that's Greg Norman. That's the pressure. That's what, it, that's what it is. That's what it does. I mean, people to this day routinely say that if you would watch Shaquille O'Neal shoot free throws in practice, you'd never believe that this guy had a free throw problem. Right. But I'm, I'm just, yeah. Again, I'm only repeating what people have said. They've watched Shaquille O'Neal knock down 30, 40, and these are true right. stories, free throws in a row. All of a sudden, you get him in a game where mentally, you know, it's whatever it is. And I know he always said, well, I didn't always uh, make him, but I made him when I had to. And that's a lie. You did not always make him when you had to. There's been plenty of times when, you know, you were clanking him and it hurt. But my point is, is that it does change everything, Hawk when it becomes public because it's such a slippery slope of who do you know, what do you know, why are you doing this, why are you doing that. The scrutiny would literally sink the game, not to mention the integrity of the line, right? If two teams are playing, Team A versus Team B, well, again, Knicks, Knicks and the Lakers are playing, and the Lakers would be a seven-point favorite, right? Yeah. And you find out that LeBron James has a million dollars on the money line for the Lakers to win. Even though it's a money line bet, to your point, not a point spread bet, you just, you know, that line's going to go to 11 in a blink. Like, it's just going, it's just going straight up. And, and that may not be the true line. Now, all of a sudden, you know, the bookmakers, the, the legitimate um, casinos that handle wagering, you have a line that's out of whack. And you know, now you're grabbing the other side of a game that shouldn't be by seven. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, it shouldn't be 11. You know, the, the right spread is 7, but because it publicly came out who's on the game. Um, and again, the reason why I say something like that is when there are quote-unquote sharp betters and people know they're sharp betters and a sharp better, not a sports icon, just a sharp wagerer, uh, is on a side, the line moves. It was even in the movie Casino um, that, again, they would wait to see who the sharp guys who won every week would bet, and the bookmakers would move the line just because that guy was on that side, even though that wasn't the right mathematical point spread. Just because somebody of note was on a side, it moves the line. So imagine now that somebody of note was an actual player participating in the game. It's just, so those are the things. But it's a great point that you make that some people can and some people can't. Uh, in sports, you know, some people can, some people can't. And in, in, in team sports, you know, mayors can and coaches uh, have a gentleman's bet or, or owners have a gentleman bet, but the players can't. So is there hypocrisy? Possibly in that context. But I think all things considered, um, it has to be that way. Kept quiet. The only reason why I say quiet, kept quiet rather than say can't bet it is because unless you're really living under a rock, you gotta, under, you gotta understand. So keep it the way it's been going. Yeah, you gotta understand. There's plenty of guys that are out there on that court with action. Period. With action. You know what I mean? It's all I can tell you. You know, when everybody looks up at the scoreboard, they're not always looking up to see uh, what the score of the game is. <laughs> checking to see if that parlay's coming in or not. You know, making that free throw, and you're checking. You know, you stand on the line. You stand on the line in Atlanta, and you're checking the Sacramento Memphis game. Like, wait a second, what's going on? You know, and so come on, Ja, come on, Ja, hit that free throw, Ja. Um, but another great, another great topic, Hawk. Another great topic. So, um, the uh, the uh, the topics that we've covered, you know, whether it's this show or or, or the other shows, has just been amazing. And uh, I just want to throw it out to you, fans. I mean, we're several minutes away before uh, doing our pick segment. Um, the number to the show is seven zero two eight nine five five eight six eight. And uh, again, if there's anything sports related or even sports slash uh, socially related that uh, you know you want to chop it up about, we'd love to hear from you. We know you're out there listening, you know. But it's uh, it's always exciting when we have callers call in. So seven zero two eight nine five five eight six eight. If you have something you know you want to address. Uh, moving into the NFL this week, Hawk, um, I think one of the things that's really unfortunate is the NFL is starting to just uh, the injury bug. You know, a lot yeah. of key players are out. Uh, of course, Christian McCaffrey, you know, he's out. Um, 
we um, uh, we know that uh, uh, the uh, Tua had been out for the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins all of a sudden are finding themselves um, really on the wrong side of this season. And, and that's the worst part about it. When you come into a season, expectations, a playoff team, and you're one and six, like you're not even close. And, and that's the thing about football being only 16 games, 17 games now with the extra game with the collective bargaining. When you are five, six games under, you know, and you still have two-thirds of the season left, man, that's got to suck because that is such a physical, brutal sport. And even though you're playing to win, to feel like there's no hope, nowhere to go, even if you can scratch out a win. I, I know they're all professionals. That's an ouch. But um, uh, I want to bring up one topic with you. Deshaun Watson, uh, not asking you to comment on that, only asking you to comment. They've been trying to trade him. There's... Talk now about moving him to Miami because Miami is starting to believe that Tua is not the answer there, although some people feel uh, he's still an NFL caliber quarterback. Obviously, it gets rid of the headache for Miami. Of course, we know what the headache is for Deshaun Watson. Would you make that trade, or would you, with the talent that Deshaun Watson has, would you hold on to him until the dust settles? Because let's face it, you know, there's been a lot of dudes who've done a lot of crazy stuff and it's a forgiving public. I, I know that in this particular movement, the things that he did um, is very hot topic right now. But at the end of the day, you know, if uh, even a few of these women get proven to have, you know, complained where there was no justifiable complaint. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying it seemed like, you know, everyone came out of the woodwork and said, hey, I gave him a massage and he was inappropriate. Maybe some people jumped on the bad wing, and I'm sure many of them did not. Maybe they all didn't. I don't know. But would you make the trade uh, and get rid of the headache that is Deshaun Watson, or is he too much of a talent? You're right out the storm. What do you think there if you're the GM? Oh, if I'm the GM, um, I don't feel like I don't I, – I have to – in both cases, I think Deshaun Watson has to go because if I'm a player and from my thoughts on what I've, what I've gathered from this whole thing, I wouldn't want to play there anymore, and as a GM, I wouldn't want a player to be here that was, doesn't want to play for me anymore. Right. For example, what's all going on in Philadelphia with Ben Simmons. Yeah, there you I go. I feel like the best thing for him is to go at this point. Like, the, all, the damage, I think, is irreversible at this point, and for, for both sides to be able to move on and uh, start their own thing and not have this glooming, I think it's – Time to part ways, and I feel like with Deshaun Watson, that's the best thing as, as well. So in both cases, it's actually a very valid point that you make. But believe it or not, even though the cases are vastly different as to why they want to leave, the issue why they're not leaving is exactly the same. Both of them are extreme talents, not kind of talented. They're mm -hmm. extreme talents, and because the public knows that they got to go, everyone's lowballing them. Like, nobody wants to give the equal value for Deshaun Watson, and nobody wants to give anything for Ben Simmons. And meanwhile, the GMs are saying, hey, listen, you know, this guy is a stud. He'll be a difference maker. His problem is in his town. His problem is his off-the-court stuff with the fan base or the off-the-field stuff with the fan base. You know, that's why he's got to go. The problem is that everybody knows that. You know, so, right. so they're like, you're right, you got to move him. So why am I going to give you – I mean, they're trying to give like a fifth-round draft pick or a fourth you – know, I mean, nothing. And is Tua – you know, now Tua, again, Tua was a guy who's highly touted coming out, so you can't say that Tua is a nothing. Um, another thing, too, is he's a young quarterback. I mean, geez, take a look at some of the records of uh, Peyton Manning and Tro exactly. Troy Aikman and some of these other guys after 10 games. My God. I mean, uh, you know, it's like a, a, a – if and Tua has had injured receivers. He's only – you know, it's not like he's had um, – I mean, he does have some weapons this year, but he himself has been hurt. So, you know, it's a very, very weird, you know, uh, uh, perception out there when a guy's talented – they don't even let a guy get comfortable in his own skin. It's like yeah. unless he's a phenom right away, uh, he's a he's, he's a flop, a right? Yeah. right? That's not fair, and it, it and it isn't fair. And again, that's one of the things that I think we both admire about Lonzo Ball is that from all that noise and all that pressure, everybody tried to squash this kid's career, mm -hmm. and he just has kept quiet and played hard and gotten better and played his game. And now, again, I know the Bulls are 3-0. I'm not saying that's going to be, you know, 82-0, but he's looked good. He's improved every year, and, and that's what happens when you give someone a little bit of time. And the other thing, too, about Ben Simmons is, okay, maybe he's not going to be the greatest jump shooter in the world, 
But if you're telling me that you can't win with a 6'10 kid that rebounds, facilitates the ball, plays defense, you know, maybe the problem isn't him. You know, right. <laughs> you know, how about putting guys around him that he can get? Because there's only one ball anyway, right? Only one guy can shoot the ball. I mean, when Stephen Curry shoots the ball, four other guys are not shooting it. So, but someone had to give him the ball, right? So, why don't you go get that equivalent? I'm not, well, look, you're not going to get a Stephen Curry equivalent. What I'm saying is go get a shooter. So, you know, I mean, that's what Tobias Harris was supposed to be. You know, go get guys so that Ben Simmons doesn't have to be the guy knocking the ball down. I mean, the Celtics won a title with Ray John Rondo. This is no great shooter. You know, there's a lot of clanking right. going on to this day, by the way. There's a lot of clanking going on. And people forget one of the knocks. One of the knocks on one of the better three-point shooters uh, in the game for a long time, Jason Kidd couldn't hit the side of a barn. He was a terrible shooter. But he could pass, and he could run the floor, and he could play defense, and he was a leader. Right. Now, eventually, he actually, to his credit, he worked on his three-point shooting specifically. I still wouldn't say he was a great shooter, but he found his various places on the court where he probably took 8,000 jump shots a day, to his credit. And in, you know, the, the latter years of his career... He could knock down shots, you know, but he wasn't a quote-unquote a shooter. He just was good enough that if you left him open. And by the way, isn't there a guy who just won the title who people say his Achilles heel is his outside shot, and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo? Right. Of course, he's getting better, but I don't, and Ben Simmons, my goodness, was he 23? Man, I got to tell you, it's a weird public out there with sports. Just give the kid a break. Right. But but scenery-wise, because he said he wanted to leave and because of the turmoil, I'm with you. Maybe time for him to, to, to wake up in a new city. But but if you're the GM, it's hard to let him go for nothing because he is a um, he's a talent. He's a serious talent. He's a serious talent. You know. Once trades, and when the trades, what, what do we do trades all the time in the stock market? He's a commodity. He is. You don't want to, you don't want to give up. Uh, give up, you know, right. potatoes for... Right, if someone has a brand new Cadillac and finally you say, you know what, the Cadillac is uh, too expensive to keep or too much gas miles, whatever it is, and someone says, okay, I'll give you a sack of potatoes instead of the $20,000. There you go, man. I had some ketchup. You gotta, I, right, you, I mean, you're going to take the sack of potatoes? No, you're going to say, listen, I'll hold I'm out. Hold I'll, on to this. I'll drink. stick it in the garage and pull it out when we need it. Well, listen, <laughs> it's been another installment inside the lockers. D-Hawk, J.C., 